everybody. Merry Christmas. Before I get started, why don't you take a moment to greet and welcome with me all of our locations and our online campus, people from around the world. Man, thank you. Our, our heart's desire is that you have a Merry Christmas and that you enjoy it, that we have fun as family, um, but that we also recognize why we even celebrate this. And I've said before, and for me, it's, it's my adult celebration of Christmas came through a bit of a struggle trying to see past the cliches, try to see, see past the consumerism and just all the stuff that Christmas had become and holidays. Of course, having kids helped me kind of get out of that a little bit and seeing a little bit of the joy in there. But just I as a pastor, I as a father, um, I want to be transformed by Jesus. And I want people, when they see me, to see Jesus. And in a time like this, the church just doesn't seem to, to do a great job of witnessing of Jesus. We celebrate, and uh, our whole world, our culture is celebrating. But what are we celebrating? When you ask uh, many people, it's like, well, we just celebrate the holidays. Well, what is that? Uh, family or giving or love. And it lacked a lot of grounding for me. Um, it lacked any kind of a solid foundation. And as a church, I'm deeply interested in us seeing people transformed by Jesus, and we're not going to be transformed by cliche. You're not transformed by cliches. Um, you're not transformed by new systems and new behaviors. You're transformed by the person of Jesus. And so when we celebrate a time like this, I just want to make sure we are, are crystal clear as to what and who we are celebrating and why. Because if we're raising children, it's easy for them to kind of get caught into the spirit of this season and get caught into the gifts and the presence. And we want to make sure we're raising a generation who actually knows Jesus uh, and understands what's going on. And so I'm just going to read a few verses and just kind of keep us grounded and centered in, in the reason why we celebrate and what we're really doing when we celebrate Christmas. And I'll just begin with probably the most common verse uh, from your Bible, and that is John 3, 16 and 17, but I want to draw attention to just a couple things. Um, John three sixteen. John is a close, nearly best friend of Jesus in his life, and this is John later in his life reflecting back on the life of Jesus and his ministry, and this is what he says, for this is how God loved the world. This is how God loved the world. What is the heart of God? You know, there's lots of philosophies and religions out there. There's lots of things we say about God. And there's maybe lots of things you've heard about God and the character of God or maybe the temperament of God. Um, and it's possible you have heard or maybe you grew up in a system or a church where the preacher, they weren't called pastors or teachers, they were called the preacher, the preacher, would, their nose would, would flare, and they'd get angry and start dripping sweat and talk about how angry God is and how much he, he just wants you to get your life right, and you better get right or else. And truth be told, I don't find that God in scriptures. And I certainly don't see that God in, in, in the New Testament. I don't see that God in Jesus. What this says and what this is telling me, and I would take the word of the best friend of Jesus, John, he says, this is how God loved the world. So what is God's attitude and temperament towards this world and towards you? It's love. And if that's his heart, if love is his heart, what did he do because of that heart? 
Because love wasn't just a feeling. God didn't just have loving feelings. What did he do? This is how God loved the world. He proved it. He showed it. He gave. He gave his, only, his one and only son. Why? So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have a life from another world. Eternal life. Life from the character of God. His desire is to give you life, a new kind of life, not just a, a, a religious version of your current life, not just a, a, a veneer over your, your current life, no, new life, not just a better behaved life. Are you with me? This is what he desires. His heart is love, and he gave. That was his action that came from that heart, that he loved the world and he gave so that we might have life. And then verse 17, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. That's not his heart, is to cast condemnation, render you useless. Again, I don't know what you've heard about God, and I don't know what you know of his character, but this was his heart, that he didn't send his son to cast judgment and condemnation on the world, but to save the world. That's what he desired, is to save the world. Not just to give the world another philosophy, not just to give the world another religion, not just to give the, the world another set of morality and behaviors and ethics, but to save the world. So what, how does God see the world that's broken? We, we, we often, there's arguments against God because the world is so full of evil and corruption and brokenness and darkness that maybe God doesn't even exist. And yet what I see in the story and the person of Jesus is not only does God, is God fully aware of the brokenness of the world, but his desire is to save it. His desire is to save it because his heart is love and he acted. He acted on that love by sending his son. There's no religion out there. There's no philosophy out there that could define the character of God that way except the Christian faith. And again, maybe, I, maybe you've encountered a lot of people who call themselves Christians who are just mean and bitter and angry and judgmental and I'm sorry for that. They're not the real deal. They're real people and God really loves them, but they're not, <laughs> they're doing a pretty pitiful job of reflecting Jesus. And I know there's been times in my life I've been that as well, angry, judgmental, self-righteous. And yet what I see in God is that his, he has love, that's how he views you, is through a lens of love and he acted on that because his desire is that you and I be saved. John later in another part, uh, another letter that he wrote, he says this, God showed, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, God showed how much he loved us. So he didn't just have love, he didn't just think love, he didn't just give a philosophy of love, he proved it. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Sounds familiar. But then he says this in verse 10, this is real love. You know, the world is fairly aware that we need love. Like, we lack that in the world, right? I mean, nearly, I mean, there's, I mean, pretty much since the Beatles, okay? All we need is love. Like, there's a recognition that there is a lot of love lacking in the world. And decades and decades of self-help, philosophy, theory, principles, spirituality hasn't gotten us very far, has it? We recognize that we need love and that our world needs love, but we have no capacity to give it. Why? Because we don't, have, we don't have it in ourselves to show that kind of love. It needed to be shown to us. 
Because we don't have real love. We don't know what that is. We're pretty selfish. I'm selfish and short-sighted at times. And I don't know how to show that. So I need an example of that. And this is what Jesus did. This is real love. What is real love? Because there's lots of definitions of love out there. And they're pretty shallow and petty, usually. Right? I mean, like love sometimes is defined similar to a pit. We fall in. We just fall in love. It just happened. I just fell. It was like an accident. I fell into a ditch. I fell in love. Same thing. So what is real love? It's defined for us. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And then what was his action? He sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So let me just say two things about this. First, Jesus is the proof of God's love. God doesn't just have love. He is love, is what John would tell us. And he didn't just give us a theory of it. He didn't just download a set of principles or ideas. He didn't send a spiritual teacher. He sent his son to prove that love. And what was that proof? Sacrifice. That he did the hard part. Because sin is a real issue. It's what scripture describes as what is broken in our world is that we have this propensity towards rebellion, towards selfishness, towards, towards stupidity in many ways. That's sin. And how does God view our sin? Is he angry at it? Is he mad at us because of sin? Is he, is he faulting us? Is he judging us? No, he saved us. He sent his son as a sacrifice for that sin to deal with the real brokenness. And so first, he is the proof of God's love. God's love is not a theory or a principle or a spirituality or a new behavior manual. It is Jesus. God's love is proved in Jesus. And the second thing that what Jesus does when it comes to God's love is he isn't just the proof, but he's also the presence of God's love. Again, is Jesus just a religious teacher? Is he just a spiritual leader? There's many who would say that about Jesus. And so is he just this? No. No, he's more. He's more than that. He's more than just a teacher. He's more than just a spiritual leader. He is the proof of God's love because he sacrificed his own life to show that he can deal with your sin, that God's not holding your sin against you, but also he acts as the presence of love. This is why we struggle with love is we are not connected to the one who is the proof of God's love. And Jesus' promise to us is that he is with us to work in us and transform us so that we can be people of love. One part of the nativity story is in Matthew chapter 1. And again, how does God view the brokenness of our world? He's well aware of it. He could have done any number of things to the sin and the brokenness of our world. But what he did is he took the problem on himself. And this is the way Matthew, one of the closest followers of Jesus, later reflected on and told the story. And he just says this, just read a few verses from Matthew chapter 1. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. 
For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. Jesus, the the meaning of his name is that God saves. He named him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. Not judge people for their sins, not condemn them for their sins, not be angry at them for their sins, to save them from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet, look, The virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So how does God view our world? He recognizes that it's broken, but he also knows the root cause, sin, and not just a generic thing of sin in the world, no, our sin. So how does God view us that have participated in that rebellion, in that sin, in that short-sightedness and stupidity? He loved us. And he proved that love by sending Jesus. And so his proof of that love is also proof that he is present with us. God is with us. So how does God view you in your current life? He's with you. How does he view your sin and your mistakes and your stupidity? He loves you. And he proved it, not just by giving you a theory, not just giving you a new set of moral behaviors, but by sending Jesus who took, who committed himself to live in such a way to be the sacrifice for your sin. He didn't just stay a baby, which is what we celebrate, the birth of Jesus in Christmas, but he didn't stay a baby. As an adult, he died. Why? For you and I. The proof of God's love. He died on our behalf. He took the sin that we committed and died the death we deserved. And because of that, God raised him from the dead. And then as the resurrected Lord of the world, now he offers something to us. Will we believe? Will we live that way? Will we receive him as Savior? Will we live surrendered to him, recognizing we are incapable ourselves to live this out, but we need his presence in our life? This is really what we celebrate at Christmas. This is why we take time. This is why we celebrate. It's why we give presents, and I'm I'm, I'm in favor of all those things, but I also want us to keep our eye on the bullseye. And the the bullseye is that God loves us. He loves you. No matter how bad you've messed up, no matter how much sin is in your life, he loves you. No matter if at one point in time you followed him, believed in him, was a totally awesome Christian, and then totally fell off the wagon and have ran as far away from him as possible, his heart for you is that he loves you. And he hasn't removed that love from you. He proved it in Jesus and now is present in Jesus. And that's what we confess That's what we believe. That's what we celebrate. Is that because God has loved us, now we can love others. Because God has loved us, we can say yes to Jesus. We can receive that love and then give that love. And so I want to take a moment and just honor if anyone doesn't know Jesus or or never confessed you. Maybe you've just messed your world up. Maybe your, your, your life is a living hell of your own making. And you recognize you need Jesus. That, yes, there's a holiday going on, but you, you recognize you're a wreck. Or maybe you're not just a wreck. Maybe you realize there is a significant gap in your heart, that something critical is missing. Maybe you recognize that the best you've done in your life is just not enough and that you, you, you need God's love. And so I just want to take a moment and give you a chance to, to receive Jesus, to recognize that, to, to surrender your life to him. 
And so if, if you would, just everyone bow your head for a moment. We, don't, we, we try not to make this too extravagant of a deal, but it is a big deal for someone to confess Jesus. Because again, Jesus is more than just a teacher giving a new set of ideas. Jesus is more than a philosopher. He's more than a religious instructor. He's more than a spiritual leader. Jesus is the Savior of the world. And you and I need that Savior. We need Him. And maybe, maybe you just hadn't known what to do with religion, hadn't known what to do, with you've heard about Jesus, but you recognize this is a moment that you need to surrender your life and that you need the forgiveness of sins, that your life is messed up and you need forgiveness. You don't just need a new behavior manual, you need forgiveness. And I want to give you a chance to receive that forgiveness. And so if, if that's you, you recognize, I need Jesus I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. Or maybe you've just ran far from God and this is a moment where you recognize you you need to come home to him. If that's you, I just want to ask something very simple and that's just to raise your hand just long enough for me to see it and that I I know who we're praying for. We're not going to make a big deal. We're not going to call you to the front. But we are going to celebrate by by just leading you in a simple prayer. And and in that prayer, we believe your whole life gets transformed. In its, in its starting point, a new life gets started. If that's you, just slip up your hand for a moment for me and just say, man, I need Jesus. I'm broken. I, I never realized even God would love me, much less that he does. And then I need Jesus. If you're with us online, click on the banner or the link in the chat and say, man, I need Jesus. And what I want to do then is I want to lead us in a prayer. And there's no, like, this, this isn't like magic, like, like an incantation or something. It's just, simple, it's just simple prayer that says, Jesus, I need you. And in praying this, we're giving our heart over to Jesus. And maybe you've, you've done this a hundred times. These are always a fresh chance to just keep our hearts surrendered to Jesus, keep recognizing that our best behaviors will not be enough. We need Jesus. And so if you would, just repeat after me, and then we're just going to celebrate people giving their lives to Jesus. If you would just repeat after me, most merciful God, we confess that we've sinned against you. And I am truly sorry. And I humbly repent. I confess that I need Jesus that I need a Savior, and that I believe Jesus is the one. Thank you for forgiving me, for saving me, and setting me free. I surrender to you. May you live in me, and may I live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And church, why don't you celebrate Jesus? Come on. A real celebration.